All right, guys, welcome back to another exciting, informative edition of Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. I am not the man with all the knowledge here. My name is Adam. I'm your host that loves to softball the questions over to the man of the hour, the Deacon of Real Estate, Alex Deacon. Alex, good day, sir. Adam, good day to you, sir. <laughs> I am the man, the myth, the legend. I bring him in like a professional boxer, like a professional wrestler. You know, I'm, I'm your Paul Here's Heenan, Alex. your Bobby Heenan, if you will. I wish I was as great as you make me sound, but I'll do my best here. Humble in your words, sir. Humble in your words. Um, So it looks like today, uh, last episode uh, we covered with you guys, when we're going back still on a couple topics that we've we've spoken about before, but again, we kind of want to do some refreshers uh, and, you know, we might be able to add some things on. Last episode we talked about easiest flips and today we are going to talk about proper flip budgeting. Yes. How to profit... How to properly budget for flip grasshoppers. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi, you need to think. Yes. Little drum. Wax on, wax off. Right, right. <laughs> so, now, so where did you want to start today with that? Did you know he had, they had, they came out with a sequel to that, like a sitcom or like a regular series about a year ago? Really? Yeah. Oh, I think I did hear yeah, that. It, yeah, it, I, I wasn't. I watched about four episodes. It was kind of funny, but it, it flopped. It, it, I never heard it. And it was still, it wasn't Ralph Macchio the teacher now or something? Or? No, no. He, he, yeah, he exactly. I think okay. he was a teacher or maybe a business. He's a car dealership owner. Okay, okay. Yeah. And the guy who, you know, would beat him up, you know, the guy that he yeah, beat yeah, him yeah, yeah. He, was, he was just like some loser. And it's, 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 it was actually funny, but it didn't last long. If it's still on Netflix, which it probably was, I'll, yeah. I'll check it out just for nostalgia. Yeah. There we go. And listen, who says we're not a variety show here at Real Estate Investing with, with Alex Deacon? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have, you know, Ralph Macchio come in one day. Uh, he needs the money from what I hear. Um, <laughs> so prop, we just did easiest flips. So we're going to do proper budgeting for a flip. Yes, sir. Okay. So let's start here. <laughs> you're always, you always like, you know, when you go up to the, uh, the buffet, you just always... Yeah. Pile on too much. Yep. Well, I tend to do that a Human lot. nature. And I tend to look through things with rose-covered glasses mm-hmm. every time I look at a property. It's funny because I'll look at a property one day and uh, the value is this, and then I'll look at another day and the value is this. And it, it sometimes it depends on what mood you're in. At least it does for me. Right. Like if I'm in a crummy mood or I'm just not feeling it, that house is worth 10% less than it was yesterday. So you have to check your emotions when you're evaluating a flip or any real estate, any real estate whatsoever. It's good I'll, life advice. How many times that yeah I'll sleep on a prop I'll sleep on it and I'll be like God I shouldn't have bought that or uh, yeah I should buy that and then I'll just flip flop back and forth. You really got to remove your emotions from it and it, and it's difficult, but it is what it is and it's uh, it's. You know, it's just something you have to put your emotions in check. Necessary. So proper budgeting is very important because this this has nothing to do with just evaluating the ARV, right? This is the after repair value. That's completely different, which you do need to remove your emotions from that also. This is just properly budgeting and not forgetting that, you know, that kitchen's going to cost 9000 not 7000 you know? And that roof's probably going to cost six thousand, not five thousand, just because you always run into extra things that you don't see. You don't know the decking under the roof is bad, so there's your extra thousand, or the floor underneath the kitchen sink was bad. That's an extra thousand. So you always got to budget for 
best case and worst case. Right. And and even and and that contingency is what we'll talk about. That has to be in there too. So, what I'll typically do when I walk through a property, first thing I do is look at the outside. What kind of curb appeal does it have, or doesn't it have? Mm-hmm. And how can I make it have curb appeal? And then what's it going to cost for me to get it to have curb appeal? So first thing you do is you look at the house, right? You're looking at the roof. And you have to look at roofs in a couple different ways. Obviously, when a roof's really bad, it's obvious you can see it. Mm-hmm. Got holes in it. Or or the shingles are just totally obliviated. It may not be leaking, but it looks so bad that the average anybody could look at that roof and say it's bad. Right. Okay. But there are a lot of roofs out there that are almost bad. Okay. But they're not leaking, and they'll last another three years. It may be more. Where those roofs come back to bite you in the butt is when the home inspector comes through and finds that that roof's at the end of its useful life. And then you're dealing with, well, you can just be, you know, Sylvester Stallone and say, hey, I'm not doing nothing, right? But, uh, okay, well then, that deal's going to fall through, and then the next buyer is probably going to want a roof. Right. So now, that's a budget you don't even think about. Budgeting for what happens after we are done and it goes on the market and the home inspector picks it apart. Do you have a budget for that? Because that's killed me on countless flips. Okay? So now I really look close at that roof and I say, okay, so if my profit margin is 20000 and I know that roof is marginal, I'm already thinking, okay, if I'm lucky, nothing, because I've sold the same house twice, many times, because it falls through and they sell it again. I've sold the same house twice. The first buyer wants a roof. The second buyer doesn't care. Right. Because okay. it's good. It's not leaking. Right. And it's good. It's just they're going to have to replace it. They've accepted that. Years. Right. Yeah. Yes. They've accepted that knowledge. Right. So that's the risk you take. The next buyer won't have an issue with it. So if my profit margin is 20000 I need to, in my head, know that it could be 15000 because of that roof. Right. Because if I say no to that buyer and then I put it back on the market again, it's costing me $1,500 a month holding cost. Then the next buyer could give me less money. Right. And the next buyer could want more things done from the home inspection. So it's a roll of the dice. So when you're budgeting, you're budgeting for things that sometimes aren't even bad. Mm -hmm. Because you know the general public is going to find it bad. Just so you have that contingency yep. plan in place. Exactly. And that's something nobody would tell you and nobody really thinks about until you do this enough times. Okay, so you budget for the outside. Landscaping, sidewalks. You know, people don't look at sidewalks hard enough. They don't look at retaining walls. They think, ah, it's just a retaining wall. Yeah, it is just a retaining wall. But it, how bad is that retaining wall leaning? Is it going to pass an, an FHA or even appraisal? Is it, going to, is it going to hurt the appraisal? Right. Because it's potentially unsafe. Is the building inspector from the borough going to say, that's unsafe? So take a close look at the outside. Look at uh, brickwork. Look at um, garage doors. Look at uh, gutters. Look at overhanging trees for insurance purposes and things like that. Um, budget for all that. Okay? okay. Now you walk through the front door. What The first thing you see is the door. So what does that door look like? Is it marginal? Can you paint it and make it look good? Then paint it. That's fine. If it's a medium end house, like a hundred to two hundred thousand, which is this area, you could get away with painting a very nice door, making it look good. But 
Sometimes it's not worth it. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have to scrape and paint a door. You might as well just put a new one on. It's going to cost you four or five hundred dollars for a new door versus two hundred to, to thoroughly paint, scrape it, put two new locks on it, maybe fix the door jam, all that part. Mm -hmm. So you need to think about how quickly you can do something and how much it's going to add value and so on and so forth. Then you walk into the house and you look. So what I do when I get in is <clears throat> first thing I do is whatever room I'm in, right? I'm, I'm budgeting for that room. So. Sure. A lot of investors, including myself, forget about rooms like hallways, right. stairways, right. Um, basement stairways, and the halls leading to the base. They forget about those. So when I see a hall, I'm just thousand bucks, right? Refinished floors, paint, new light fixture, thousand bucks. Stairway going up, thousand bucks. Hallway up top, thousand bucks. Bedrooms between one and two thousand right because i don't know how bad the plaster it depends when i say one to two two could be a big bedroom with it needs completely textured all the it's got a drop ceiling the ceiling needs ripped down the walls need redone the ceiling needs drywall it needs textured blah blah that could be a three thousand dollar room right but that's how i'm budgeting quickly because right. i so when i walk through a bedroom i'll see the windows good uh the floors just need refinished and it's just a paint, so I'll budget fifteen hundred, which is probably a little over. But remember, you got a closet, right? You got to look at right. you got to look at the closet doors. Are the doors do the doors have holes in them? Okay, do they? If they do have holes in them, then are you going to be able to find a matching door? Right. Like if it's an older house and it has maybe wood doors, so are you going to want to have six doors upstairs, right? Three bedrooms and three closets, and there are three different doors. No. no. So no. sometimes it's better just to go ahead and uh, just replace them all. Those are things you need to, to figure out. So I'll walk through each room. Okay, 1500 in this bedroom, uh, 2000 in this bedroom, 1500 in this bedroom. Walk in the bathroom. I know a bathroom to do a decent bathroom that's got it, do it properly, put ceramic tiles surround. Do a nice floor, some nice fixtures, a nice vanity, nothing cheap, but nothing high-end. Five grand. I can definitely get it done cheaper, but five grand. Okay? That's how I'm quickly budgeting, right? So I can walk through a house very quickly. So we're at uh, 3000 in hallways and stairways. Mm -hmm. We're at 4500 for bedrooms. That's mm -hmm. 7500 We're at 5000 for the bathroom. $1,250. 12,500 kitchens. Let's say it's 10 by 10. I could definitely do the kitchen for less than 10,000. Mm -hmm. Definitely less than 10, but I'm budgeting 10 because by the time I do the floor, get into it, make sure all the walls are square, make sure all the mechanicals are there, <clears throat> make sure I got appliances in there. I'm at 10 grand. So I'm just budgeting on the higher end. It would definitely be less, but it can definitely be more too, depending on the size of the question, uh, the kitchens, all linear feed and how much. Get the knockdown walls and things like that, but that all is going to increase the price. So now we're up to, I believe, 22.5. Then you have things like an electrical allowance. So you so you go in the basement, see is electrical box good? Is it going to need to be upgraded? Is it the box full where you're going to have to put a sub panel in or maybe upgrade to 150 amps? So because you, you're going to be putting in, you know, maybe a new microwave and, and GFI receptacles, and you're adding some load on the circuitry so you might want to upgrade that box so 
you might have a $3,000 electrical lines allowance, right? So now we're up to roughly $25,000. You look at the furnace. The furnace is very old. You got to ask yourself, do I roll the dice, gamble with that furnace, maybe offer a home warranty for the hump the new buyer right. if the furnace is working fine the AC is working fine then maybe you just you roll a dice but again do that that ghost budget so to speak and you have three three thousand to five thousand dollars in there for furnace and AC okay then you might have a plumbing budget and this is the one we I'm always under and I never budget enough is plumbing so you know, you want to get used to what plumbing numbers are. You want to get used to if you're buying an older house that maybe the, the water's been off for a year or over a winter, you could have a $10,000 plumbing problem in the house and you wouldn't know it because you weren't able to test the plumbing system. Right, right. You know, sewer lines, things like that. So you have to be careful on what you're budgeting for plumbing because you have a lot of hidden things. <clears throat> so let's just say we budget five for plumbing. So now I'm at uh, about $30,000. Right? Mm. And then basement. You know, you're scrubbing the basement down, getting any residual mold off the walls, any light dusting and mold, make sure everything's clean, spotless, make sure all the walls are scraped and painted white, make sure you have plenty of lighting down there. Um, you look at the garage, make sure that's clean. You're going to scrape and paint that. Maybe you're budgeting another couple thousand there. And then on the outside, let's say we budgeted for 3000 for landscaping. We never really talked about amount so three thousand so up to thirty five thousand and then I'm gonna set aside maybe a contingency of five thousand so I'm I'm all in with this house probably worst case scenario forty grand and I can do it I can do that in five minutes ten minutes max mm -hmm. and you have to be able to do that because remember you have to look at a hundred homes right and then find ten that you like go see ten assess them quickly in 10 minutes and then make offers and then hopefully get one right so you have to do this very quickly and be very good at it and when you first start out you're going to be doing this very slowly because you don't want to make mistakes so in that house if my proper i'm trying to properly budget um so i have to work backwards now so i'm the first thing i'm going to do is what's the arv of this house okay three houses down the same house sold for 160. Uh, one street over, the same house sold for 170. Uh, Ten houses down, the same house sold for 145. So now we got a range from 145 to 170. Mm. And where does this house fit in there? When did those houses sell? What, what time of the year did they sell? How long were they in the market? What condition were they in? How level were they to the street? Did they have a steep driveway? Did they, they have a big yard? What were the factors that caused them to get that price? So let's say I come up with a price of 160. Mm -hmm. Now I'm working my way backwards. So my my sale price is 160 minus my cost to sell, which uh -huh. is agent fees, commission, you know, commissions, transfer tax, and other closing costs. Then my cost to hold the property for six months. So whatever that is, if I paid cash, then I'm just paying taxes and insurance. And so factoring that in, if I have a hard money loan on it, my holding costs are very high. So factor whatever that cost is. And then factor the cost, what it costs to buy it. When you buy it, you pay some taxes, transfer tax, things like that. So on a house like that, and if I held it for six months on a $120,000 
loan, if I got a, a loan from like a hard money lender, my cost to buy, hold, and sell that house is probably 20 grand ballpark. So if I sell for 160 and I have 20,000 in to buy, hold, and sell costs, from nine to 140, if it costs me 40,000 worst case scenario to do all the repairs mm -hmm. down to 100, and how much do I want to make for all this time and effort? And, right. You know, aggravation to do this entire project. I want to make some money, so my profit margin may be thirty, but I would accept. That gives you a lot of room. I would accept fifteen. Right, right, right. right. Or that's not so bad. But let's say it's thirty. That means the most I can offer for that house seventy thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I work. I work my way backwards. Okay. Gotcha. But you can't work your way backwards until you go see it and. Uh, budget for what needs done and then have a general idea what it's going to sell See for. See what you did there, right. But okay. then once you do all that budget and you go to a more precise market analysis, you come up with a, a very good ARV of 160 minus the 20 buy and sell minus the 40 to do the repairs minus $30,000 profit margin, I can pay 70. So in, in essence, you're using all the tools that are available to you, you know, other homes, just like you said, you know, constant knowledge, constant knowledge of the area, other homes, similar sales, and, and you're basically taking that, those values, and figuring out in a way your own after, your own ARV, your own after repair value, so that that way you know what to, you know, what you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. As far as getting that $70,000. Yeah, you have to know so many different aspects of the business you have to know how to assess or evaluate the property's value correct arv after it's done mm -hmm. and you know what's funny is everybody will come up with a different arv and then the quality of work you do to the property and you know what's going to come up on a home inspection and your first impression is super important so you got to make sure everything's perfect mm -hmm. sometimes you pay for staging to stage the property to make it even more appealing and quicker and then you have to know how to budget for repairs and what things cost and what hidden expenses always come up and you're gonna you know just budget for it have that in there there's so many different sections of this puzzle that you have to fully understand right in order to make it work right on just one deal mm -hmm. and then if you you know then if you do as many as i do and made as many mistakes as i have and i still <laughs> i still tend to make them uh it's it's difficult it's not easy right period so to properly budget for a flip i just ran you through kind of my mind and how i once i narrow how i do it once i narrow it down from 100 homes i find 10 that i like mm -hmm. of those 10 i might go see five because after i research them a little bit i realize there's just not enough there and after i then i go see five and then i do my budgeting in my head of what it needs and real quick, because I know we talked about this before, but you always say, you know, because you always say oh, when we do when we do our show that you always look at a at 100 properties and you choose 10 and you kind of go, you know, then you kind of minimize it down from there. Just to refresh everybody, how quickly do you go through those 100 properties? Oh, sometimes very quickly. No, when I, yeah, I go through 100, um, probably 100, a couple hundred a week at least, maybe three, 400 a week. But I'm just looking at them online real quick. Exactly. So, New one that comes up, or price change, or something that a wholesaler sent to me. I'm constantly just uh, going th through them with my mouse. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just just clicking and 
That's why I brought it up because I, I remember one time during one of the shows, you actually just brought up the uh, you brought up uh, the MLS mm -hmm. and you were just rifling through properties as I was talking and you went through maybe like 20, 30, 40 properties in maybe five minutes, you know, and, and you were kind of like walking people through the process that way. So. Yeah, because I'll know, yeah, if I know, that's why it's important to really know your area yep. and stay close to home because yes. I don't know my area and I, I tend to make more mistakes and cause more stress and lose more money when I go outside my expertise and I need to just stop chasing deals and start uh, you know targeting and honing in and focusing because you make more money and less time less stress and you can become really good at just that right. you don't have to be all things to everybody you can be an expert in one you don't have to necessarily Absolutely. have to be a jack of all yeah. trades yeah and listen you can be both that's it's, it's you know but um, sometimes it's more comfortable and it's, it's a better Constant successful cash there, flow. There's a couple different, yeah. There's a couple different <laughs> yeah. um, like theories, right? One is there's books on it. You know, there's books on this too. But focus, the power of focus. So some of the richest people on the planet, they focus on one thing and they become super good at. It. Right. And then there's others that diversify. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong. But in this in this business, I think at first you want to stay very focused, stay close to home, know your market. Then when you feel comfortable enough, you can you can branch out. Branch out, spread your yep. wings a little bit. So there's our property proper budgeting for a flip podcast. This one was fantastic. You really broke the process down. I think everyone listening would will appreciate this one. Um, Alex, I you know I, I I don't I usually have something a little add on at the end, but I, there's nothing. I can't even add like a little comedic clip on here at the end this was great it was informative i i took I notes i can't say i'm heartbroken either that, i was gonna say yeah fine. yeah i don't think anybody else is either um all right guys cheap plug time so you guys know where to find us on when it comes to the podcast search deacon hoover or alex deacon podcast in whatever google search engine or yeah google search engine whatever search engine you use um find us on apple podcast google play podcast spreaker again just search uh alex deacon podcast and you will find us somewhere um find us on our website dhrea.com uh facebook instagram twitter all search deacon hoover that way you'll find us and make sure you are signing up for alex deacon's meetups go to meetup.com search alex deacon he has his pittsburgh landlording group and he has his real estate investing networking group um again these are great 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 uh places to network, share ideas, um, and, and really just make, you know, uh, build a path towards, uh, towards even greater success than you already have. So for Alex, for myself, and for everyone else here at Deacon Hoover Real Estate Advisors, we thank you and we will see you next time.